Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News, and Views. Coming to you live from the Space Coast, my name is Dr. Roger Welton, veterinarian and reporter for the Veterinary News Network. A very good evening to you, ladies and gentlemen. I have a great uh, topic for you this evening. Our featured topic is the title of the show, Helping the Helpless. And in that venue, I have somebody who absolutely exemplifies that title to interview this evening. Her name is Anne-Marie Burgess. Uh, she works with a, an Italian Greyhound Rescue Group, and she's a Florida representative for it. We're going to bring her out in just a moment to uh, tell, give you some insights into that whole uh, realm of uh, just phenomenal work that, that uh, people are doing across the country. But uh, I just also want to mention a couple other very interesting stories coming up later in the program after our interview. Uh, we, we will open up the phone lines at that time. You're not going to believe this, but in Germany there is a gay rights group that is actually fo- focusing their attention on helping gay penguins. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Stick around for that one, folks. It's a very interesting story. That's right. I was going to repeat that. Gay rights groups now focus on helping gay penguins. And that's one of our feature stories. And we're also going to tell you about a Katrina kitty who found his way home, a Hurricane Katrina cat who found his way home after five years. It is a very endearing story. And uh, certainly there's a lot of lessons to be learned in this one as well and the way he was found and whatnot. So please do stick around for that. I will be taking your calls uh, live. Uh, whether you have questions or want to comment on the interview or have questions about news uh, story comments or want to ask me anything animal related, you can feel free to. I'll open up the lines after our interview. So without further ado, let me introduce Anne-Marie Burgess. She is the uh, Florida uh, Rescue Representative for the Italian Greyhound Club of America. Anne-Marie, welcome to the program. Hi, Roger. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I, I appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight. I know what a busy person you are with all those doggies you're responsible for rescuing out there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I am busy. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, Anne-Marie actually works pretty closely with our clinic. We do discount work for her organization. So we see Anne-Marie, what, three, four times a week? <laughs> oh, I always hope it's not going to be that much, but usually it turns out to be that way, doesn't it? It, it does. We love to see you. <laughs> um, so, so let's just kind of start with the basics here in our interview. Um, there's there's a lot of breed specific rescue groups out there. There's Lab Rescue. There's Scottish Terrier Rescue. You know, name your breed. You know, there's a rescue group out there uh, championing their uh, their rescue. Now, you chose Italian Greyhounds. Can you can you kind of elaborate on why you selected this particular breed? Well, it's because uh, everybody does their small part in every breed rescue, and I'm a proponent of all of them. Um, But, you know, you have to go with what's close to your heart, and it it really started when I was growing up because I had this dog named Scruffy. And it's kind of an interesting story. She was actually Uh a Bichon Freeze Mix. We grew up together. My mother got her when I was one, and uh, she passed away when I was 17. And she's a great dog. Yeah. I didn't understand her because at the time I was growing up, I was like watching reruns of Lassie on TV land and Lassie <laughs> was always following little Timmy wherever he goes and sleeping yeah, in bed sure. with little Timmy and going to get the sheriff because little Timmy fell in the well. And all <laughs> Scruffy wanted to do was like chase her hamburger toy and um, sleep 
She loved okay. that. Occasionally, she did save me from the pea soup my mother would cook me, but then I always got in trouble <laughs> because she had white hair. You know, yeah. I'd get all over her face and whatnot. Um, but I always wanted that dog that was really, really close to me. And that's okay. what Italian greyhounds are. They're companion dogs. They've been bred that way for 4,000 years, if you can believe that. 4,000 um, years. Wow. I, I actually, I, that, 4, that's a new years. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. Two, well, some some people, uh, there are some, there's some literature that says 2,000, some that says 4,000. So you can say 2,000 to 4,000 years. Okay. The, any way you slice it, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty old breed. It's a it's a long time, and all they do Phenomenal. is they just want to be your companion, follow yeah. you where you go, be glued to your side 24-7, sleep in the bed with you, you know, make you laugh. Um, they're, they're just an amazing breed. That's what I always wanted. They're, they don't look like a collie. They don't act like a <laughs> collie. And, yeah. you know, but that, they have that thing that I always wanted growing up that, you know, I saw on TV. Is kind of what oh, it came, okay. came down to. So that's why I chose that breed. And when did you first come across the the Italian Greyhound? Was it was it in your youth, or was it shortly after seventeen? Or uh, it was when I was twenty one. A girlfriend, uh, I went. I was in the military. I was active duty, and a girlfriend drug me into a pet store in New Hampshire, which I was very against pet stores because of the experiences I had growing up. But, yeah, we're gonna we're know, gonna talk about that a little bit later as well. We will gonna, talk about know. that a little later. Yeah. Sure, and, sure, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, she wanted to see a Chihuahua, and this dog called the Italian Greyhound. There was a puppy in the same cage as the Chihuahua, and I saw him, and he honestly, I thought he was the ugliest puppy I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I know people would crucify me for that, but uh, he was well, not cute. He he is yeah. now because I, I have him. And he's he was like the ugly ugly duckling that grew into the beautiful swan, but um, he was very sick. I didn't yeah. know what an Italian greyhound was, but I knew he was sick. And the manager at the pet store would not get a veterinarian in there. So for some reason, I thought it was worth my while to shovel out quite a large bit of money to purchase this dog so that he wouldn't die. Because I thought, who is going to by this dog because he is not right. cute at all and he's not going to last very long in here. <laughs> yeah. So he almost died That's within the first 48 hours. Yeah, but wow. he I, I, he lived and you know because you've treated him, it's Nico. Nico! So. We love Nico. He is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Great dog and he is beautiful. Okay, I was wondering which one you were talking about. Yeah, he's, he's, he's tremendous. <laughs> Isn't he a gorgeous dog though? Yes, he is. It's hard to believe he was he was not an attractive puppy. Um, but maybe he was unattractive because he was so sick and he needed the TLC to, to let himself bloom into the beauty that he is because he really is handsome. Well, he got that TLC, <laughs> I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I see that quite obviously. Um, so, you know, we, regarding your organization, the Italian Greyhound Club of America, um, I, I'll tell you from my experience, I've worked with a lot of rescues through my career and I I really have not come across one that is, is so like um, you know it, all the rescues their hearts in the right place but but the the organization uh, isn't necessarily there with you guys you got your stuff together I mean it it just seems so well organized you have uh, policies in place um, very impressed with the organization what I wanted to bring up a little bit was 
you know, there's other clinics out there all over the world, not, I don't know about the world, but all over the country that you, you know, provide some discounted health care uh, for your rescue cases that come in in pretty poor condition. But, you know, I, I know very well, and, I'm, you know, of course, you know very well that even provided at a discount, these costs, you know, add up quite a bit. Um, so what yeah. I want to kind of have you elaborate on, where does your funding come from? And, uh, you know, could you bring up a website or a phone number my, lis- my listeners can uh, you know, go to or call to offer a donation in support of your cause. Well, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The um, costs do add up substantially because, uh, unlike most traditional shelters, we will not euthanize a dog that say has a broken leg or cancer right. or whatnot. We will treat them, and right. those costs can add up to the thousands of dollars for those dogs. Sure. Our adoption fees are minimal, uh, and they are tax deductible. <laughs> because we yeah. are a 501c3 registered charitable donation. So yep. we do charge donation fees, and we do ask people who surrender their dogs to us personally that they donate 50 to $75. But often those people do not have money, especially right. in the state of Florida, considering our economic condition at this time. Right. Um, so we get a majority of our you know, budget from personal donations as well as fundraisers and representatives and volunteers from every state um, in the in the USA uh, do events and whatnot to raise money for a trust fund that pays for the medical care of the dogs in rescue. And okay. uh, li- listeners can actually donate to us by going to italiangreyhound.org and okay. clicking on the IGCA rescue link. Once again, that's italiangreyhound.org. And they can contact me directly by going to igrescuefl at gmail.com. Okay. I'm going to actually post that on the blog as well, ladies and gentlemen, in case um, you didn't catch that. Italian Italian org, And what's the link there again? Uh, And my personal email is igrescuefl at gmail.com. And we have a Florida website called okay. FloridaIGRescue.com. So FloridaIGRescue.com okay. is a website for the state of Florida. Okay, FloridaIGRescue. Okay, I'm actually I'll put this on the blog. Um, you know, shortly shortly after we close here, so anybody who didn't miss that can actually uh, get that information after the show. And I I, I think there'll be um, you know I don't know how anyone wouldn't want to support such such a great um, you know such a great cause. So um, you know. Let's uh, kind of move on to the next question. I wanted to kind of gather about your, um, you know, your, your the way you guys operate. You, you you use fosters. You have a foster system, pretty much. You have foster parents that work along your organization. Is that was that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's right. Okay, so people basically they volunteer their homes and time to care for these animals. Well, you guys are still funding the health care, of course. You know, the, the the fosters are providing the TLC, the, the sort of interim love that, and, and shelter these dogs need. Um, so I was wondering how exactly this foster system works. You know, for example, how do you find foster parents? And let's say one of my listeners was interested in becoming a foster parent. You know, if they were interested, how would, how would they go about that? Well, the first step is to, if you're interested, contact us at mm-hmm. the, you know, sites I indicated FloridaIGRescue.com gets people directly to me. My email address is on there. And, uh, you know, we 
we have a large need for foster parents. Right now, we are entering the Christmas season, and yeah. after Christmas, a lot of people surrender their dogs during the holidays because they have to buy Christmas presents, and um, you know they they can't afford their dogs because economic times are hard. And uh, after Christmas, because people go and pick up dogs at pet stores, and this isn't just Italian Greyhound Rescue. This is all of them. This is every breed rescue. They go buy them at pet stores and think, I'm going to give this person a dog as a gift. And then the person who receives the gift that is a puppy says, this is not what I wanted. So between now and March is our busiest time of the year. And uh, we get our foster homes. We recruit them at events. Um, recently I sent out a flyer to 300, uh, people, email addresses I had for people who were interested in Italian greyhounds in the state. And we got a 1% response, which means we got three foster homes. We recruited three three foster foster homes after sending out a flyer home, after sending out a flyer to 300 people and asking them to, hey, post this at your vets, post this at your PetSmart um, Petco, wherever you can post this flyer because we need foster mm-hmm. homes. So wow. that, that's how we recruit our foster homes. Okay. That's, uh, that's, that's remarkable. I mean, you, you, you'd like to think that 300 would, you know, get you more than three, but, um, uh, you know, again, and, and part of what I'm trying to showcase here is, is, you know, exactly the, 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 the selflessness that goes into doing something like this, first of all, but the, the, the challenges that you face and the frustrations, um, it's, it's not an easy thing to deal with. And it, 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 it's more than just caring for these animals. You have to be kind of strong to be able to deal with, you know, the, the, the just the mere thought of a dog being given up because, you know, somebody can't afford Christmas presents and Christmas presents are the dog. So, okay, see you later, dog, homeless dog. I'm going to, I got money mm-hmm. to buy Christmas presents now. How, like how, how somebody could just be that callous. I mean, I'd, I'd rather not get anybody anything than even, you know, consider the thought of, you know, surrendering one of my dogs or my family. It'd be like giving up one of my kids. It's just, that's, that's how it is, though. It's just mind-boggling. We got a call from a woman, and she said, I'm having company coming over Thanksgiving, so you have to come get this dog, or I'm taking it to the shelter. Oh, my God. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have to have a thick skin every day, and I I do have a yeah. counterpart in Miami, Patrice Pereza, and she is an right. amazing, amazing, amazing person. She does sure. exactly what I do. She's a representative for the state. We are heads of the state together, and we both have to have very thick skins because sure. it's just you you have happy tears and you have sad tears, and that's yeah. that's what we always say about this. And it's just it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible what you see in terms of the amazing kindness of humans and, right. on the other hand, the cruelty. We see both ends of it, and it's, and it's difficult. Yeah. The, it must take you on emotional roller coasters. You see the best and worst of humanity there. Um, it's just, it, it, it is truly, truly remarkable. Um, you know, and, and let's, let's, let's move on to your, uh, you know, the, the pet store situation. Now, you, you once, you've alluded to the pet stores a couple of times tonight, and you've alluded to me in the past that the biggest obstacle you face is, the, you know, the, these pet stores. Um, please, please tell me why uh, it, it seems that pet stores are a bigger problem than, say, breeders. Well, the thing is, when people contact breeders, they've made mm-hmm. a decision that they want to adopt a specific breed. 
When right. you're in a pet store situation, it, there are salespeople involved, and usually it's a compulsive buy. And this doesn't just go for Italian greyhounds. Sure. This goes for everybody. But I think Italian greyhounds are affected in a, in a different way. Um, right. And and what happens is you have a, you go into a pet store and you see a really cute dog, and you've got a salesperson literally slamming this dog down your throat, offering you, you know, credit. Hey, we'll give you credit for this dog. You you can pay, uh, yeah, it costs $1,500, but you can pay, you know, $20 a month for the next five years. That's that's affordable. What you don't know right. is that you don't know the breed. doesn't matter right. what dog it is um, yeah. because it's a compulsive buy, and with Italian greyhounds, they've been raised to be companion breeds. They want to be with you 24-7. So, you know, if you're somebody who's got a busy lifestyle and right. you're not there, it might not be the breed for you. Sure. And the dog might not react well in terms of training um, to being a good dog and a good companion because it's frustrated. Uh, yeah. And it's like, you know, there are working class dogs like Australian Shepherds, Huskies, that are sold in pet stores. And, you know, they're working dogs, and maybe you don't have the time for them, and they get frustrated, uh, and they don't react properly. So then you have the first situation where people surrender the dogs to a rescue or take them to the shelter after they purchase the dog or post them on Craigslist with a rehoming fee because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, gosh, this dog's hard to train, it's not potty trained, it's eating my shoes, you know, whatever it's doing. And the sure. dog's just frustrated. It's not the dog's fault. You didn't educate yourself in the breed because it was a compulsive buy and you had a salesperson, you know, shoving it down your throat and you're like, okay, I'll buy it. It's cute, whatever, whatever. Right. And then the second part of that equation is we see a lot of people who surrender dogs to us that were originally purchased in pet stores because of health problems. Mm. These dogs come from puppy mills. Yep. It's They are not health tested. They are not genetically tested for complications such as epilepsy, hip dysplasia, all kinds of medical issues that, you know, you can t explain to the audience much uh, more articulately than I can. And well, you touched on a few major ones right there that we see a lot in IGs because of unethical, irresponsible breeding, inbreeding as a result of puppy mills. We've talked about that quite a bit on this show, and it's very important you bring that up because that's a big statement there, you know, they're being turned in, obviously, over the compulsive buy situation that the pet stores provide. But now you're also saying that they have health problems, you know, a, a much greater health problems than, you know, reputable, reputable, reputably bred dogs would have. And uh, as a result, the people turn them in over that. And that that's just, you know, not only are we showcasing, number one, the ability of a person to walk away from an animal in need, um, but number two, it's the result of puppy mills, which, you know, it's kind of one of the most embarrassing, appalling uh, situations in our country. You know, I, mm -hmm. I've, I've been very vocal about it, and uh, it, it's remarkable. So what are some of the pro common problems you see uh, with these dogs well, that are being turned in? In direct relation to Italian, the breed of Italian greyhounds, what right. we see a lot is, you know, somebody goes into a pet store, they see an Italian greyhound, they think it's cute, they buy it, they cute. and the guy says, hey, it's affordable, you know, 20 bucks a month because you're putting it on credit and you sign a credit agreement. Well, that dog is not affordable because guess what? Number one, 
uh, Italian greyhounds before the age of one year are uh, have an increased uh, chance of getting a leg break, which you're looking at twenty five hundred dollars to prepare uh, to repair a leg break in Italian greyhound. Uh-huh. And number two, what if the dog has um, say hip dysplasia, which is very common that we see in from Italian greyhounds that were originally purchased in pet stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for uh, so fo- folks not familiar with that term, of dollars. yeah, I mean, for folks not familiar with the term hip dysplasia, basically it's they're born with deformations of their hips that cause you know lead to like a anywhere from a mild to moderate to even a crippling lameness, and that can you know set in within the first two years of life. So, and you're seeing quite a bit of that. Absolutely, and that's mm-hmm. if you if it is of a seriousness where the dog has to have surgery, you're talking about thousands of dollars. So really, how affordable is this dog that you're buying from a pet store? Not affordable right. at all, and that's what people right. need to know. Not right. only that, um, epilepsy can be prevalent in this breed. You know, my dog Nico um, hmm. that I've talked about, and I've alluded to the fact that dogs from pet stores can have um, these problems. He has epilepsy, and also we believe uh, an autoimmune disease which is also mm-hmm. common in the breed when you see bad breeding. He came from a pet store. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the medications uh, are not as expensive as they used to be in years past, but if you're on a tight budget and you want to do what's right, you have to make, you know, you have to decide, do I want this or do I want to take care of my dog? Me, personally, I take care mm-hmm. of my dog, but other people decide, oh, well, you know, $12 a month for prednisone to treat my dog's epilepsy, or I'm sorry, phenobarbital, rather, to treat my dog's mm-hmm. epilepsy is too much, yep. and mm-hmm. they surrender them to us. Wow, over $12 so, a month. Exactly. Amazing. And, that's amazing. And that, that's just how, uh, that, that's, that's what happens quite often. So we see so many people, personal surrenders, the dogs were originally, you know, mo- most of the time originally came from pet stores or backyard breeders. That yeah, they're no days. better. They're no better than pet stores. At least you don't really necessarily are. get the compulsive buy aspect, but sometimes they are just literally camped on the front on their front lawn if they live on a semi-busy road. Puppies for sale. So it can be a compulsive buy, especially where we live. It can be. <laughs> well, and we see it a lot at Walmart, too. People Walmart. selling are you selling greyhounds at Walmart, oh my flea God. markets. I get a lot of those people selling Italian wow. greyhounds at Walmart flea markets, so they're impulsive buys. They're backyard breeders, um, mm-hmm. which for people who don't know, a backyard breeder is somebody who breeds specifically maybe one or two breeds. They're not a puppy mill, so they're not breeding a ton of dogs, but right. they're not doing health testing. You know, a lot of people don't understand reputable breeders, and they show their dogs at AKC events or whatnot um, yep. to build championships. And reputable breeders show their dogs because it enforces good breeding in terms of health testing, um, Mm -hmm. genetic testing, making sure the breed fits the breed standard to preserve the breed and create a dog that is healthy. And those breeders that are reputable, they're very selective in whom they place their puppies with. Oh, yeah. They don't just say, hey, I want an Italian Greyhound. Somebody contacts them and they say, hey, no problem. I'll sell it to you. That's not what right. they do. So, you know, the Some people that they're taking the dog home with, even. 
Yeah, they're 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 you know feeling those people out to make sure that they're good homes, yeah. just like I do in rescue. I don't place a dog with just anybody. I want to oh, know yeah, that. Yeah, I want to know that you understand the breed and you uh, you're interested in it, and you're going to be a good home. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um that, that's a very very good point. Backyard breeders out, you know. They they and, and and people come in to me all the time with puppies from backyard breeders. They're loaded with fleas. They're anemic. They have, are loaded with worms. They've had zero healthcare, zero vaccines, and they're unable to prove to the people who are purchasing from them that the parents have had any sort of healthcare in the last few years or whatever. Um, I'm amazed that people buy from places like that. But um, you know, uh, some like like when you walked in and saw Nico in that pet store, some people actually see it as a rescue opportunity. I got to get these dogs out of here is what they think. Um, and unfortunately, while on one hand they are getting those dogs out of that horrific situation, they're sort of perpetuating it by you know giving the backyard breeder the justification because they're getting money. You know what I mean? So that's absolutely it, right. That's and, a catch twenty two. It's difficult. And that brings up a good point um, because even though Nico was sick and I did identify that uh, yeah. and they were not going to call a veterinarian to see him because the veterinarian was coming in four days and he could wait, uh, because I purchased him, people, the Hunt Corporation, and uh, oh, who uh, is a major perpetuator of providing these dogs to pet stores across the nation, and yes. these backyard breeders and puppy mills got money from me. And yep. um, there are some people who are very much purists, and they would say, you should have just left him alone. And there is right. a part of me that got involved in rescue because, uh, you know, I feel a little bit guilty that I helped, you know, allow this to go on by purchasing him, which is exactly what happened. But yeah. at the same time, I you know I have to educate people. I have to make you know the, there's a, there's a little bit of guilt in with me saving him is how I feel about it. Well, I think you can really. let that guilt go because because of him, you know that he he's a very big reason for why you're doing what you're doing, and he's a very big reason to you know to date why, you know because of you how many animals how many dogs have gotten homes how many have been rescued how many have been provided health care when they were left for dead. I've seen, you know, quite a few of them at this point, and um, I think you, you you should let that guilt go <laughs> because you take phenomenal <laughs> care of Nico. I, I, I think you certainly redeemed yourself for that one. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I have let the guilt go, you know. I, I yeah. have let it go, but that is kind of – that was part of the reason why I initially got involved. Right. You know, uh, so. my My groomer, Tony, I don't know if you've met Tony, but Tony is a – she's an AKC breeder. I mean, she's a phenomenal breeder. She shows her animals. They're tested for their eyes, their ears, their hips, their elbows. You, if they can be tested for, they're tested for. So she's a very good example of a good breeder. Which is how it should be. <laughs> exactly. She used to actually breed IGs, but now her passion is uh, English cockers. But her dogs are perfect. I mean, I, I see them for their yearlies, and that's it. They live to. They all live to be like 17, 18 years old, which for cockers is amazing. But what, what she brings up a very good point to her clients is what she says is, when they come in with, oh, I saw him in the pet store, I couldn't resist, and, you know, I feel like I'm, I rescued him. Well, well, Tony says, yeah, you did rescue this dog. This dog's going to have a wonderful life with you, no doubt. But the parents are not really that fortunate. Right. And because you purchased this dog, those parents are going to suffer for it because they're going to pump out litter after litter after litter. 
living in you know squalor most likely because and, you're and, exporting the industry. And I'll I'll tell you something because when you purchase a dog from a pet store, you get their records. And I did contact the Nico's breeders, if you yeah. can call them that, which you cannot. And right. I did contact them at one point, and uh-huh. um, because I thought if though if his dam and sire are still alive, I will pay these people any amount of money to get them out of that situation. Right. And uh, they told like me. Him. Mm-hmm. And they told yeah. me, I'm sorry, but they died in a horrific accident. And then what? after that, no matter how I emailed them, never heard back. So there you go. Oh. Whoa, that's so shady. And this is the Hunt Corporation. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, the Hunt Corporation, um, they're the major seller to Petland. So just putting that yeah. out there. <laughs> they're, they're in, in Petland, you will play a fortune, a fortune uh, for uh, you know the pure breed dogs that they sell, and, and that's what you're getting. Uh, a company that nice, uh, pretty much, is what it comes down to. Petland swears that the Hunt Corporation is wonderful, but straight from Anne Marie right here. There you, there you know, there's the evidence right there. Um, so, uh, well, this, you know, this has been a wonderful interview, very enlightening. Um, I knew you would be great. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna uh, kind of close here, just very briefly, because I got to move on to the news items and, and see if we take some calls tonight. Um, I just want to, you know, kind of have you close with, you know, offering us some of the challenges that you foresee facing as you continue your efforts to provide care and find homes for for so many of these abandoned dogs. What, you know, what new challenges do you think might arise in the future? Do you foresee any? Are you dealing with any new ones at this time? Mostly economic challenges because um, that's why people right now are surrendering their dogs. They have uh, health problems. They cannot afford to take care of their animals, so they're surrendering them to our organization because they know we will provide medical care to their animals. Um, And we need foster homes. We need veterinarians. We need people to donate so we can keep doing the good work that we do because we haven't had to turn away a dog yet, and I dread the day that that comes, and I hope it never does. Okay. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I will be posting the links and Anne-Marie's email on our blog. Uh, that's webdvm.blogspot.com. Uh, that's where the player for this show is. Uh, there's, it's embedded there as well as the player for my YouTube show. People make comments there. Um, and for those of you subscribed by email, that's where it will be on the latest post. So please have a look there. Anne-Marie, I'll be emailing you so you can actually just kind of spell out these links uh, exactly for me. I jotted them down, but my handwriting is so bad, like I, I can't even read it. I, I feel bad for my staff. Um, so uh, I'll be shooting you an email. Uh, actually, actually, you have my email. If you can shoot me an email, I do have um, your email. <laughs> maybe like like as soon I'll as you get know. off the phone here. Yeah, once you shoot me an email with that information, so I can post it tonight. Um, so you know it's fresh in everybody's minds, and they can check that out. Um, and thank I want to thank you very much for taking the time to being with us tonight. You're welcome. I, I'm honored to be on your show, and I, I really appreciate it. All right, Anne-Marie. Thanks again, and I'm sure I'll be seeing you soon. Okay. <laughs> All right. Have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Anne-Marie Burgess, uh, just, a, just a fine, fine young lady. 
pleasure to work with, and I was uh, so so looking forward to having her on the show, and I'm sure you can all see why. I am going to open up the phone lines now. We haven't had a caller in a long time. You guys have been very shy, uh, but our toll-free number to call in, feel free to now if you have any comments on that uh, interview we just had or you have just anything animal-related, question, concern, comment, whatever, give me a call, one eight seven seven eight seven eight. 1435 1435 feel free to give me a call anytime. I'm going to move on to the news items. Um, as I talked about, there's the Kay Wright group that uh, is making a big stink about focusing on penguin gay rights in Germany. All right, so there's nobody on the queue right now. So, all right, you ready for this? <laughs> this is actually true. The Bremerhaven Zoo had noticed that there that there were three penguin couples that after they investigate a little bit, turn out to all be male. So in an attempt to encourage the penguins to reproduce, because these are an endangered species, the zoo flew in four female penguins. Now the plan was to introduce the female birds to the males, which would hopefully lead to the endangered species reproducing, which they, you know, that's the, the best thing for an endangered species is to get some offspring. But the zoo had to abandon its plans after a gay rights group protested against the experiment. The zoo's director, Heike Kewick, said, quote, everyone can live here as they please. Kewick said it was never their intention to separate the couples by force, and even if it was their intention, it wouldn't be possible to make them interested in their new female companions if that's not what they wanted. So the gay groups had earlier protested against the organized and forced harassment, ready for this, through female seductresses. This is, in a, this is a quote from an open letter to Bremerhaven's mayor. All right, listen to this. I'm just going to say that one more time. This is a quote in a letter in protest to Bremerhaven, Germany's mayor, about this whole incident. Quote, the organized and forced harassment through female seductresses. So um, the the penguins get to live with their... Uh, uh, their male counterparts <laughs> uh, as a single sex couples uh, for as long as they please in the zoo. But unfortunately, uh, there will be no help to increase the numbers of the penguins. The gay rights groups got their way. I'm not going to comment on this just yet. I'm just going to leave it out there because I'm hoping somebody calls on this one. <laughs> please call me on this one. <laughs> uh, I have some thoughts on it, and I will tell you what I think about that whole situation um, after I go over the next story. No callers just yet. So we're just going to go ahead and continue uh talk about the Katrina kitty that found its way home after five years. Now, again, feel free to call and interrupt me at any time. The number is one eight seven seven eight seven eight one four three five. That is a tantalizing story to comment on. So <laughs> by all means, uh, do give me a call, one eight seven seven eight seven eight one four three five. Let's move on to the Katrina kitty found his way home after five years. His name is Scrub. He's a seven-year-old Russian blue and tabby mix with gray and white fur, and he has been reunited with his family five years after he was lost in the post-Hurricane Katrina chaos uh, in a report by the Biloxi Sun-Herald uh, newspaper. Jennifer Noble of Biloxi told the paper she thought the Humane Society of South Mississippi had made a mistake when they got in touch, but a quick scan of the microchip implanted in Scrub revealed that he was indeed Noble's long-lost cat. Quote, this is the power of microchipping, says Humane Society Director Tara High, uh, quoted in the Sun-Herald. There's no other way that cat would have found its family. This is a very dramatic story with a wonderful ending. 
Now, Scrub was about two years old when he disappeared, and he got away because the post-Katrina heat and lack of electricity forced the family to leave all their doors and windows open. Um, and what, what, what Noble told the paper was that the scenery was changing every day, and she thought he just got disoriented and just couldn't find his way back. Um, but now that he's you know, returned in, in, in fairly decent health, maybe just a few scars that he didn't have before and, and a slightly you know, feral twinge to him, um, Noble's quoted saying, today he still has his moments where he gets a little jumpy. He's not as docile as he used to be. He's got a little bit of wild in him. But by the time the boys, her children, went to sleep that first night, he had crawled into their bed. It was such an odd thing. All the other cats I've known have been afraid to get under a cover, but Scrub always slept underneath a blanket on somebody's bed, confirming that he was indeed her cat. I think that's an amazing story. I mean, what what a wonderful thing, because this kitty, at the time he was lost, was uh, two years old, and five years later, he's seven. This, uh, this, this kitty's going to have a long life with his family. Uh, you know, cats tend to live to, you know, 14, 15 years old. That's not uncommon. Some of them live to 17, 18. So he gets to spend, uh, you know, the majority of his life reunited with his family, this family uh, who probably endured so much during Katrina, uh, you know, on top of everything else, lost their beloved cat, uh, now has him back. And I think that's a story of redemption. I think it's heartwarming. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, so that's a very nice story. Now, no one has dared call <laughs> to comment on the gay rights group making a big stink about what they're calling gay penguins. Well, let me tell you about the nature of penguins, ladies and gentlemen. I am going to make my final comment tonight on this article and tell you what I think. Um, penguins are paired for life. That's just the reality of penguins. Once they find their mate, generally speaking, they will stay with that mate uh, for life. That's just that's just the nature of their species. There's there's a lot of di- different bird species that are like that. So when the, they lose the other mate for whatever reason, whether uh, death or you know any kind of forced separation, what happens is that they will just kind of cling to you know other uh, stray or unmated, let's say unma- unmated penguins. And in this case, they just kind of took the companionship of other male penguins rather than be alone. That's just the nature of what they do. To call them gay just because they're paired with males, that's going a little bit far because, you know, there's there's not really a sexual connotation to it. it, it you know, they're, obviously they cannot procreate together. And they're just, you know, together for companionship more than anything. You know, birds of a feather flock together. They are still the same species and they're just, they're just paired off together. So, you know, to, to call them actually gay to me is is a bit of anthropomorphism. You know, putting human ideals on animals when really it's it's not that complex. So the goal of this zoo is to protect an endangered species and get them to procreate. And they wanted to bring in the females to <laughs> to have these penguins help in that regard, which is you know kind of separate from one another, and engage with these females. And now the, the the gay rights people saw it as a slap in the face to gays. They're they're really putting the penguin situation on themselves. They're calling the female penguins being shipped in female seductresses. Are you kidding me? That is the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. And shame on that zoo for caving into this. Absolutely shame on that zoo for caving into this. I, I really hope something like that wouldn't happen here in the United States. And I just want to tell you all before, you know, anybody gives me any flack about this, I am a big supporter of gay rights. I always have been. I support gay marriage. I support gays in the military. I have uh, worked with you know gay people who I've been honored to work with, and I have gay clients 
that are among the best people I know. So I don't want to hear anything about me being homophobic because that is so not the case, and everybody who knows me knows that's not the case. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is absolutely, utterly ridiculous. That's my opinion. You know how it goes. Everybody has one. <laughs> um, so no callers. I'm really surprised nobody called about the gay penguin story. Um, well, you know, I air every week, so maybe next week somebody could call in with a comment about this story because um, I'd like to hear other opinions on it. Uh, that is my show for this evening. There's no one on the queue, so uh, I'm going to bid everyone a good evening. I would like to thank you all for joining me tonight. I'd like to thank Anne-Marie Burgess for that wonderful interview. She is so personable, and I knew she would be great, and I'm sure you all agree. So you have a pleasant evening, and I will talk to you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.